0: When there's no more room in hell, the dead will start a podcast.
1: and welcome to No More Room in Hell, number 55. This is Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom?
2: Arrivederci, paisanos! Or, greetings and salutations, my friends. Oh, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm really hoping we're, like, in the last few days of 100-degree heat, because, damn it sucks. <laughs> Pussy. I, love I mean, I know, I know summer itself... Being in California, summer ain't ending anytime soon, but at least go back down to like the 90s and I'll be okay with it. But,
2: uh, oh, man, yeah, other than played, that, uh, I'll go Last ahead. Saturday, I played outdoor poker in 101 degree heat and I fucking loved it.
1: <laughs> Did you win something besides a sunburn?
2: <laughs> uh, no, no, we were covered. Uh, we were under a, a canopy type thing, but we were outside. Um but yes I did uh, I didn't win. I came in fifth. Uh one what did I get for fifth place? Uh three eight hundred bucks. So not bad.
1: Nice. What's usually the buy-in on these? Like
2: these uh games? it's usually a hundred a hundred dollar buy in with one rebuy. So if you bust you get one rebuy and then that's it. If you bust a second time you're out. Bust the bus. Bust the bust. So yeah, yeah the prize pool. I think the prize pool hit like three grand, over three grand uh, last last Saturday. So, because eight hundred bucks for fifth place is actually pretty high, but I think the winner the winner had like two thousand something. So yeah, not bad.
1: Any uh, professionals there, poker or otherwise?
2: Um, I mean, lots of writers since the writers and actors strike is going on. Yeah, I mean uh a friend of mine uh who helped out on the on the screenplay for Autopsy of Jane Doe was there um oh my 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 little buddy Joe Guy from the Manitou was there um he actually cast as well he's actually a great poker player <laughs> nice he's a great native american spirit and a great poker player
3: <laughs> uh, call back the last episode
1: there you go <laughs> all right Well, also with us, it's Derek. What's up, Derek?
3: Hello, Michael. It's been a while.
1: (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Yeah, it has, actually. In fact, it's been such a long time that I don't even remember why I picked the movies I did. I mean, obviously, they're from the same director, so I know why I paired them together, but I don't know. There was something at the time having to do with the director, and I should have written down because... I think since we tend to, like, not always uh, record the episode on our first try, I need to start, like, writing down things initially, because by the time we get around to actually recording, I'm like, why the hell did I pick these? But anyways, I'll talk about those later. Um, But what's new with you, Derek? Anything to report since we last recorded?
3: Nothing. I've been a little bit better, as Mike would probably know I'm actually – in the process of switching my schedule of work again because also one thing working days sucks. (laughs) I I know that now, especially in my profession and also we'll get probably get more episodes out now that the switch is happening, which I'm actually happy about.
1: Yeah. Um, that probably, like, because of what your schedule is going to, that'll probably work out the best as far as the three of us being able to, like, get together on the same day. Um, So, yeah, not not that the show's a priority over your life, but, hey, it works out for both, I guess. Uh, yeah, case. I
3: guess to enjoy it more, you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Also, exactly. Plus, if we have to go later, then I don't have to worry about it on the Sunday because then I don't have to be at work until 9 p.m. again. So I don't have to worry about that shit.
1: Exactly. Hey, and if we do a fresh cuts on Sundays, because sometimes we do that, if it's a movie you've seen, you can always jump on with us too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, how, have you been up on your 2023 movies at all, Derek?
3: Honestly, with my work schedule, it's been kind of hard for me to go to the theaters lately. There's movies I wanted to see. Like, I wanted to go see Last Voyage of the Meter. My go see that tomorrow. Uh, I, yeah. What'd you say, Villa? Do it. Yeah, I definitely want to, cause you know, that, that's when I was stoked to go see it, cause what it is and shit, but yeah. Sure. And I didn't see talk to me yet. I know that that usually one, usually those type of movies are usually ones I stay away from because of the hype around them. Right. You know, cause there's different opinions on like those eight to four movies.
2: Of course. Well, I mean, I, I like to think that I'm honest when it comes to A24. Yes, I love A24, but I did give a couple of their movies bad reviews this year. I famously hated Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I fucking hated that movie. Um, you, you, go back to the that episode of Fresh Cuts to find out why. But, yeah, I, I, I was so disappointed that that was an A24 movie. But, you know, I like I like to think that I'm at least somewhat objective. You know, obviously we're all somewhat subjective, but I try to be as objective as I can. And I actually think Talk to Me was a little bit of a success for them. Uh, you know, aside from the critical acclaim, uh, I thought it was just a fun movie. Maybe not the most original thing we've ever seen, but a good time nonetheless.
3: Wasn't Pete Davidson in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies?
2: Unfortunately, yeah. yes.
3: And fucking Lee Pace.
2: Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Yeah, fucking
3: like Ronin the accuser.
1: <laughs> and uh the one thing about Talk to Me is like <coughs> we brought it up on the episode but this is the this is one of the cases where A24 just bought the distribution rights to it. They didn't the studio didn't make it. So um for the people out there that like aren't A24 fans uh I would still give that one a chance. Now, now we all happen to like it on Fresh Cuts, like to varying degrees, but it it mostly got positive reaction. So, like if, if if there's people listening, I guess I'll repeat it now. If if A24 itself like scares you off, I would give this one a chance anyway because they just bought it. It was made. It's like an Australian. Film company yeah. i think and yep. a24 bought it for distribution so
3: it, oh, like kind of like a hole in the ground which was an irish movie
1: yeah like i would, i would say the story of talk to me almost comes off more like the type of movie bloomhouse would make but it's better than most bloomhouse movies that would do a similar thing <laughs> no, no it's
3: for, weird for sure. it's weird because i seen that trailer and then i seen like this other trailer that's coming out for like a Fucking like Indian, like spirit movie, uh huh. You know, which I don't I forget the name of that fucking movie, but it looked exactly like the same, like kind of like you know, the jump scared filled scenes that they put in the trailer. I'm like, oh, I just watched the same
1: trailer back to back.
2: Now you know why I stopped watching them,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. August continues to be slow because football starts in September. So getting through all this preseason nonsense. Uh,
3: oh, I'll be able to watch football again too. Thank God.
1: Hell yeah! I'm hyped. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it because it, it always kind of you know it's always good to have football back and then it signals like oh the weather is uh, trying to get a little more cool, but uh, we still got like probably a month and a half. Of nonsense up here. So, um, I think that uh, I think that's it for any questions. I had to open the show, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we can get into uh, catching up with what we've been watching. So, Venom, start us off with something you've been watching.
2: All right. Well, for my three movies this uh, episode, I'm going to bring in one that I loved, one that I hated, and one that just I don't know, I'm kind of indifferent on. Not a bad movie, just kind of indifferent. So let's start with the good. Let's start with the one that I actually enjoyed. This is a brand new film from uh, 2023. This comes to us from uh, writer-director Scott Lever. This is called The Devil Comes at Night. This is a very, very independent production. I mean, it's you know shot on digital video. Um, no name actors to speak of. Um, but the thing about this one... I just thought these performances were really cool. I thought the twist at the end of the film was really cool. This movie doesn't have a high body count. It's not a very bloody film. Um, It's unrated, but I think if it did have a rating, it would be PG-13. Maybe there's some language in there that might give it an R rating, but uh, uh, basically it's kind of a cult film. Uh, The basic story is a washed-up boxer Uh, looking for some inheritance that was supposedly left in his childhood home by his father. He returns to that home after his father's death, and basically a cult kind of tries to take over the home and the inhabitants of the home, and, you know, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it kind of ambiguous, but, um, yeah, and the title is very apt, The Devil Comes at Night, but... For, I, I, like I said, I don't want to give away too much of it. it it's not going to change the world by any stretch. This is Like I said, it's a very independent movie. Some people might look at the acting as maybe subpar. Um, I tend to give indie movies a little bit of a pass. Like as long as I'm not cringing and rolling my eyes constantly at line deliveries or dialogue, then I can accept it. And with this movie, like I said, I had a pretty good time with it. It's a nice short one. It's only an hour and 20 minutes long. So, you know, you got an 80-minute run time. Um, It's not for everybody. It it is definitely a little bit of a slower burn. So I definitely would not recommend this one for Don and Ellie. But I think (laughs) for some of us, um, this is something that, you know, we may like. Like I said, it kind of hinges on the performances. And the twist at the end. And for me, both of those things worked really, really well. Decent score, decent editing, a single location horror movie. The whole movie takes place at this house. It's like a farmhouse out in the middle of the woods. So, yeah, um, like I said, if you can uh, find it, it's not the easiest film to find. It might be on Tubi, I'm not sure. But uh, if you can find it and it's a cheap enough rental, I say give it a shot. It's a good indie flick.
3: Is Wings Hauser in it?
2: No, no. I <laughs> he's I mean, a superstar. What are you talking about?
3: <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like fucking ten times better if he was, though, right?
2: It'd be ten times cheesier, yeah.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> <So, Coffinger. laughs> There you go.
2: But yeah, Devil Comes at Night. Check it out if you get a chance.
1: All right, Derek.
3: All righty. As uh, we already mentioned, I uh, haven't really been watching anything new lately. But I did end up watching this movie that I kind of heard about for years. You know, I've seen, like, weird poster arts for this fucking movie, which, you know, and it has the one thing that I fucking hate in it. It's called Centipede Horror. It's a 1982 film from Hong Kong. And, yeah, pretty much it's about, like, this couple and they get a put a this group of friends and they get a curse put on them and the curse involves centipedes. Legitimately everywhere they go, they're centipedes and they actually use real life centipedes. There's actually a scene in this movie where a girl froze up actual live centipedes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. Centipedes are probably the most fucked up looking bug that I can imagine. And, you know, like, I don't even like looking at them. They're just fucking weird. <laughs> you know, in general. And to have a movie just with fucking set the feeds all over people's bodies and shit. Fuck that. <laughs> this is like my kingdom of the spiders. <laughs> Fuck that, you know. Uh, yeah, it's gross. It's got some, you know, typical, like, Hong Kong shit. That actually, uh. I should mention that this is a uh, put out by uh, this a uh, new company that actually just put out a few releases. They just released a lot of like Asian cinema uh, called Era four four four, which th- it's a pretty cool label. You know, they actually have like uh, five or six releases out right now. I got this one and I got uh, the other one. It's it's kind of a tongue twister of a title. I haven't watched it yet. It's called Red Spells, Red Spell. See what I mean? That could, that you could get confused on how to say that title if you say it too mm-hmm. fast. Uh, and that one has a giant scorpion on the title, so I'm guessing there's, it has to do with scorpions, that one. So I'll let you know, Venom. I know you love ah. scorpions. No. Nope. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely not going to be for everyone, like I said. But uh, yeah, these crazy fucking... Hong Kong, Hong Kong cinemas has been getting like this resurgence lately, like on physical media, which I'm kind of like a blessing. I actually just bought fucking uh, Magic Cop earlier from 88 Films, which is like this fucking hybrid like horror slash action fucking cop drama where this cop has to fight a fucking witch, <laughs> which I'm I'm kind of curious to check out. You know, like, crazy movies like that coming like. Even, like, some of the early Shaw Brothers shit, like the Killer Snakes and shit, fucking craziness. Like, like all the Shaw Brothers movies coming out. Even, like, some of the old, like, Sue Hark movies are coming out on Blu-ray, too, now, which is fucking awesome. So, yeah, Hong Kong, they don't fuck around.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I think it's, like, Shaw Brothers Volume 2 box set that's about to release looks amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've been uh I I, I might get th- those are a little expensive. So I might because I know they're not going to sell out those ones because I bought the fucking Evangelion box set fucking 3 years after it was fucking released. So I I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm in good hands with that. But uh yeah, I'm I'm probably my next purchase is going to be like the Tiger Cage collection which I'm fucking like the Donnie Yen fucking action movies from like the early '80s. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. I love Hong Kong cinema. It's fucking, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm the crazy Asian dude, and you know, I typically never pick Asian movies. I think it's times coming soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, Hong, Hong Kong action films from like the '80s through about the mid '90s is just so good. Yeah, like 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 it's still they still put out some good stuff, but there was just that period of like 10 to 15 years where it like it it almost didn't matter if it had like the bigger actors in it it just was carnage like in like the the brutality in those movies to just like it doesn't matter like who the character was or like if it was like just random ass people getting shot thrown thrown out of cars thrown through windows like just you think of you think of it and those movies had everything in the yeah. as far as action goes.
3: Yeah, I got the fucking in line of duty fucking box set too and those movies are fu- like the first one's fucking nuts with fucking Michelle Yao and it even has it has the Jap- it's a Japanese actor. It's a, he's a big star. He's he's in a few movies. Uh he's he played Scorpion in the new Mortal Kombat. That guy. Oh that dude. Yeah
1: yeah I love Yeah, that. he's
3: in like everything. He was on like Ringo and he was even in fucking Avengers Endgame which is nuts. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that that it was fun. I have to still dig into those till till I got like fucking four movies in that fucking box set. But uh, yeah, good shit.
1: Have you ever seen Yes, Madam with uh Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock?
3: No, yeah, yeah, that's in the box set. That's actually in the Line of Duty Part Two. Hell yeah! Yeah, awesome. so I haven't watched that one yet, but I'm, I'm that's up next probably tomorrow maybe.
1: Cool. Oh, Alright. So, um, my first one up. Uh, so I kind of been like during work, I've been throwing on movies at, um, just kind of randomly for no particular reason. What I've been doing is I've been going through like all the apps I, I sub to, and HBO Max, they have a, a TCM, like Turner Classic Movies section. So I, I scroll there just to see like what older horror movies they had, and they had a, um, uh an old one with joan collins uh it was called berserk Have you guys ever heard of this movie? is she
3: like is she like could you spank
1: to her <laughs> uh she's basically like the head of a circus like the the circus master or whatever does she do an elephant <laughs> no <laughs> um but, yeah, it's kind of like a thriller slash horror where uh, people start dying at the circus and they're uncovering... You know, that you're uncovering the mystery as more people die to figure out what's going on. And, uh, yeah, man, she, she does a great job. I, I felt like the... The set design, I, I love the circus or carnivals as a setting for horror movies. I just think there's so much potential, like how you want to work it. And uh, the the mystery when it gets solved as far as who's doing the killing, it was pretty satisfying. Like, uh, uh, so Oh, yeah, yeah I, I did
3: hear this movie, yeah. This desert, is from the same yeah. guy who directed uh, Tower of Evil that we reviewed. Uh,
0: uh, yeah.
1: Jim O'Connelly?
3: Yeah.
1: true.
3: He also directed Valley of Guanji.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I said Joan Collins. I meant Joan Crawford, not Joan Collins.
3: Yeah, that's why I was kind of confused at first. Because like, yeah. the last time me and Benham did Joan Collins, she was in fucking Empire of the Ants, and she was trying yeah. to fuck everybody in that. She even fucked the Ant.
1: Yeah, for some reason when Derek's like, I have seen that movie, it clicked in my head like, wait a minute, I meant Joan Crawford. But uh, yeah, it, it's cool. It's almost like like another freaks type movie because like obviously like it it's not as hardcore as far as like featuring like freaks and all that but there's definitely like you know there's like a bearded lady there's like all the stereotypical characters you would find in like that classic circus setting so and then obviously you know they they're pretty good at like different red herrings as far as like oh who it might be um and they managed to like wrap it up with like a believable person as the killer and the uh the justification behind it, but that is currently on HBO Max. So, uh, if anyone wants to watch, like it's from 1967, so yeah, it goes back a good ways. So, if anyone's looking to like uh, beef up their uh, classic horror uh, dossier, then uh, throw on Berserk. I-, I think it's, I think it's about a 90-minute movie. Uh, it's not that long, mm-hmm. so definitely recommended it or recommend it from me. So. Uh, check it out if you haven't. Um, so back to you, Venom.
2: All right. Uh, let's see. What's the next one on my list? I think the next one I'm going to talk about is my the movie that I'm kind of indifferent on. And this is a movie that was getting some festival buzz earlier in the year. I was actually really looking forward to seeing it. And finally it dropped on Amazon Prime for a $0.99 cent rental, which kind of worried me at first. But then I went ahead and watched it, and my worries were confirmed. But this movie, I'm not even 100% sure how to pronounce this film. I think it's ennis Men, E-N-Y-S, and then the word men, um, written and directed by Mark uh, Jerkin. Um, basically, it's, it's kind of a seaside story. It's set in 1973. It's about a woman who's, she's like a research scientist of some kind, and she's living like, Kind of it's not really a lighthouse, but it's basically like a cottage right on the shore of um i think uh northern England i believe and basically she is uh looking at the she's looking at some plant growth um, in the area and you know, nothing's really too exciting happening until one day she goes to look at the flowers and they have an odd growth on them. It almost looks fungal at first, but, um, well, you know, we never really get a clear answer of what it is. But basically, once the flower starts going cr- a little nutty, her life starts going crazy. She starts having hallucinations. She starts seeing people that aren't there. The problem with this movie is that it's a lot like Skinamarink in the sense that it doesn't have a lot of dialogue. This is definitely one of those kind of conceptual art pieces where, you know, there, there's not, like, a much of a script. There is dialogue in the movie, probably two to three times as much as there is in Um And at times, this movie is just as what the fuck as *Skinnerink* was, where you're just like, what is going on? What am I watching? It's not until one of the really last scenes of the film where you finally kind of understand what's going on. Um, And obviously I'm going to keep that to myself for anyone who hasn't seen it and is still interested in it. But I mean, if you're a fan of art house cinema, experimental cinema, I think this movie is something that might make you happy. For me, I just found myself kind of being bored. And I mean, I, I literally just sat here and said that I am a fan of slow burns and I am but I generally like to have some kind of payoff with my slow burns. And unfortunately, we do get a reveal at the end of this movie, but nothing that I would call a genuine payoff. Nothing that's going to reward you for spending an hour and 35 minutes with this movie, with this incredibly slow-moving movie, you know what I mean? With very little dialogue. So I, I, I say fair warning to anyone who's interested in this. Like I said, if you're into conceptual cinema, then you might be into it. Uh, If you liked Skinnamarink, you probably will like this one, too. I absolutely hated Skinnamarink, so it kind of makes sense that I wasn't a very big fan of this one either. I didn't hate the movie or even dislike it. It's just incredibly slow with not much of a payoff, though our lead does give a really good performance. Uh, Mary Woodvine is the actress's name. Um, She gives a great little performance, even when she's not speaking, which is most of the film. Um, you know, she's really good at using her face to convey emotion and the thoughts in her head and things like that. So, like I said, take it with a grain of salt. It, it's a pretty decent movie. I, I don't think I'm the target market for it, but um, I, either of you guys seen it yet?
3: No, because I going I, I, Rick was fucking awful.
2: Yeah, Wait, that's what, what I mean. What's the name it, of this one? Uh, Enis Men, E-N-Y-S.
1: Oh. You remember I that? Have,
2: remember we were talking about it at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah, you. Know, it's funny though because it's it's been sitting on.
2: <laughs> I Is think it about Hulu, elbows?
1: I think Hulu just added it. And oh really? I, rem- I, I remember initially thinking like, "Hey, this looks interesting. I might want to watch it." And I've heard kind of like middle of the road or worse. I haven't really heard anything good, so I keep pushing it off. But like. I don't know. I mean, it seemed like the type of thing I might like, but I've just been kind of like scared you away like from rank? it. Uh, Skindred, like I like aspects of it, but it's it's kind of tough to sit through. To be yeah, honest,
2: exactly. that's what I found myself with this one. It's like I, I, about halfway through, I actually thought about stopping it, not to not finish it, but to just kind of pick it up on another day or something, because it literally was just. I'm like, what, I'm, I'm literally watching this woman just go about her daily, you know, chores more than anything. Oh, it, was, like, it was
3: like watching Suspiria remake with this, the guy walking everywhere. Oh, God,
2: like the, Suspiria re, the Suspiria remake's The Godfather compared to this fucking movie. It's this, as this long as The well Godfather. Made. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. This movie is well made. It, it's not a bad movie necessarily. It's just this movie is really going to be um, kind of targeted to a very specific audience. And I'm just not that audience. So, uh, you know, I I have seen positive reviews for this movie, but it's usually like art house critics and, you know, whatnot. You know, the highbrow frou-frou people. So, you know, like I said, take it with a uh, grain of salt. Um, You might like it. You might hate it. (laughs) I I still don't know. (laughs) I'm still on the fence. So, yeah. All All
1: right, Derek. Okay.
3: The next movie I'm going to talk about is I actually just picked up the 4K of this and I wanted to check it out. This one
1: is Toby Hooper's The Funhouse.
3: We all know this movie, right?
1: Hey! Oh, yeah! Okay. Haven't seen it in years, but yes, I have seen it. I remember it.
3: Yeah, I always was kind of a fan of this one. This might be actually maybe my second favorite Hooper movie below TCM. Oh, nice. You know, well, well, he has a very hit or miss filmography. <laughs>
2: you know, he, you don't he, love eating alive. What?
3: I actually like eating alive. I was actually higher on it than you on the show.
2: No, that's true. You absolutely yeah. were.
3: You know, I, you know, it's not one I watch all the time, though. You know, I, sure. I, I, you know, like it's kind of like the same thing with like uh the Mike with the Berserk. I kind of like the Carnival Seden. And, you know, I kind of like that the main guy plays, like, all three of the barkers that we see throughout the carnival, (laughs) which is kind of cool. And, you know, the colors are popping. You know, the one thing I'll give Eaton Alive credit for, which I didn't actually mention during the review, you could see, like, later day Hooper in that movie, too, with the use of colors because there were some, like, red tinges and shit through certain scenes of that movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it went all the way to, like, movies like this one, which is very has a very colorful atmosphere to it to like even life force, which is even fucking blood tinged red, you know, in certain scenes <laughs> of that movie, you know, but, uh, yeah, fun house is fun. You know, it's, you know, I, I feel like it gets a bad rap because it's kind of put in that time period where the slashers were happening and it's not really a slasher movie. It's kind of like, kind of more like a, like a kind of same kind of tale as like TCM where these folks invade like these people's home and they're trying to get back what's theirs pretty much. And, you know, plus they witness a the murder. They saw shit they could, shouldn't see. And, you know, they had to cover that ass. It's kind of like the same thing, like the characters from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I found interesting. And, you know, I actually love the design of the fucking monster. And there's a lot of Frankenstein imagery in this movie too. Like even in early on in the film it's kind of a setup to later on where the parents are watching Bride of Frankenstein on the TV and then later on, you know, the monster is disguised as the Frankenstein monster for the majority of the movie. <laughs> and there's some fun like characters are, like the fucking weird random lady that they meet in the the girls' bathroom. God is watching you, and she's all dirty and filthy. <laughs> you know, like the hornball that's trying to peep, jerk off at the fucking peep show. <laughs> and those, even like the fucking fortune teller played by Sylvia Miles. Oh, $100 for Madam Xena.
2: <laughs> well, that was, the, that was the one who was trying to get it on with the killer, right?
3: Yeah, the monster. Yeah, right? yeah, Jerking I fucking ship. love
2: that scene. Yeah. <laughs> that scene is so great.
3: Yeah, it's, like, even, like, even has, like, William Finley as this fucking vampire magician out of nowhere for <laughs> this movie. It's a fun movie. You know, the, you know, the minor, like, setbacks, I even said this when I originally reviewed on Attack is the whole storyline of shoehorning the brother into the movie, the little brother. That's probably, yeah. like, the one, like, like, a kid, you know, I, I get it. They had to make the movie longer than it, because it would have been a fucking 10-minute movie, you know if they did it the other way. But, uh, you know, overall, I just like the atmosphere of this one. The score is fucking killer. Like the, like I didn't actually notice it, but like the main theme of the fun house, they actually sample on this, uh, hip hop song by Campbell Ox. at the beginning, like of the first track of the album. And I'm like, damn, uh, cause I was really listening to that album recently. Cause They actually have a song that actually samples the music that Optimus Prime's death of Transformers, the movie.
2: Don't make me cry.
3: (laughs) Real men cry. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, house, fun time. It looks great on 4K. I I actually recommend it.
2: Thanks. (laughs) I just watched that movie again last year. I want to say last October, though it might have been last summer, but, yeah. I just, every couple of years, I'll pop that in, and it, I always have a fun time with it. And yeah. You know, it's called the Fun House, so of course you're gonna have a fun time.
3: Yeah. Plus all the automatronic shit, like with the fat lady on top of the yep. Fun House at the end, fucking great.
1: <laughs> all right, my next one is a documentary and one of the bright spots on Shutter this year, and that would be the Shark Exploitation Doc. Um I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but it's pretty thorough. I'm boycotting uh, it,
3: since I didn't get Donna Nelly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, you know, predictably so it kind of starts with the phenomenon that Jaws ended up being and kind of builds out from there with all the Jaws rip-offs. And then kinda of like when we get into the nineties and uh Deep Blue Sea kinda of like resurrects the killer shark genre by not trying to just be a, another Jaws because, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they talk about that. And they get into like a, a lot, like it's actually pretty thorough. I was a little worried when it first got announced because you never know, especially when it comes to like um, movie docs, it, it really comes down to who's making it, who's involved because some of them just feel like no new information or nothing new to add, but this one actually was pretty thorough with like all the foreign rip-offs and some deep cuts in there. Um, I, I'm actually kind of interested to get Don's thoughts on it because being the shark movie fan, he is, I'm sure if there were any critiques to make, he'd be the one to go to, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty well done. Oh, you well know, he done. went no
3: shirt for that doc. <laughs> oh
2: God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. plenty.
1: Sh- Sharks, no shirts. Um, well, have, you been, have you guys watched it yet?
3: No, I started boycotted I, I, it because Don wasn't. in it. Oh, I thought that
2: was. have narrated one. it. Yes, and this is the film Jaws. No, no, cool. don't, don't let him narrate it.
3: No. It'll be great. <laughs> oh,
2: man. but yeah, yeah, I did see it. I, I think the week that it dropped, I watched it, and yeah, yeah, pretty damn good. I, I've been on a kind of a documentary kick lately too. Uh, There've been some great ones released this year. Um, I think it's Paramount. Paramount Plus has one about the Alien, the original Alien movie. That's really fucking good. Memory. Yes, Memory.
3: Yeah, I actually talked about that in a prior show. It's pretty great, right?
2: It's pretty damn good. Yeah, <laughs> of all people, it was it was my uh, stepdad who actually called me and say, "Hey, you gotta watch this movie." Because I do have Paramount Plus. Oh, it's either Paramount or Peacock. I'm sorry, um, but the point is, I never really go to those apps. It's one of those. Those are the apps that I have just in case something pops up that I want to watch. But I'm not like regularly on them. So I didn't even know that that thing was on there. Yeah, my my stepdad had to tell me because him and my mom watched it and they loved it. Um, I, I've told the story many times that my mother was a horror fan in her youth and Alien was one of her favorite movies. She she saw it in theaters back in '79. Absolutely loved it. So, uh, yeah, I I missed out on seeing Alien by a year because it was it was the following year, 1980, when she took me to to my first theatrical horror movie. So, you know, no regrets though. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, so, hey, if you're you're needing a shark movie fix and you can't just find a movie uh, to whet the appetite, check out this doc.
3: Yo, I'm still on that fucking folk horror documentary because it's so fucking long. It's fucking, that thing goes in death.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Venom, final round starting with you.
2: All right, and the last movie I'm going to talk about in what we've been watching is, unfortunately, one that Skin I did not rank. enjoy. Um, no, no, it's slightly better than Skin of a rank, which is not saying a lot, actually. But anyway, this one is, once again, another independent movie uh, written and directed by Brandon Rudnicki. Uh, this was just released, I, I want to say, only about a month or so ago, maybe a little bit more. This one is called Forest of Death. And this movie is basically about a skinwalker, uh, wendigo, um, you know, whatever <laughs> monster title you want to go with. They mention all of them in the movie at one point or another. You know, they mention wendigos and skinwalkers and werewolves and blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, my friend, this one is filled with that cringy acting that I was talking about earlier that Devil Comes at Night does not have. Um, just very amateurish presentation, you know, kind of kind of looks like a upscale film project more than anything not great acting like it's very obvious that the young cast doesn't have a lot of experience with acting and the final insult of this film is that this is just one of the worst looking skinwalkers i've ever seen in cinematic history this thing first of all you only see its face i mean you don't even get to see like a nice full shot of it um it, you just get to see its face when it attacks somebody and it and it's always a close up it, it's just like a like a lunging at the camera type thing and it it just irked the shit out of me i mean they they obviously played with all the Wendigo and Skinwalker tropes you know trying to separate people from a group um you know speaking in in other people's uh voices to to try to distract them and get them to come out in the woods blah 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 there's nothing really original about the film um, and there's really not that much positive I can even say about it. There's not really any – the kills are all off-camera and incredibly lame. It's a fairly bloodless affair. I mean, there's just – there's not really any blood or gore. The movie poster for this is ten times better than the movie itself. So if you're interested, look up the poster because it's actually pretty cool. And it's a little bit of a – miss. Um, what do you call it? Um, bad advertising because – the creature on the poster looks nothing like the creature in the movie so this this is definitely one that I would say is a hard pass avoid this one um, this is another short one. I tend to watch a lot of like short runtime independent horror movies because there's so many of them out there that'll run anywhere from 60 to like 80 minutes. And you know I could watch like two or three per sitting, so you know I can get through them really fast and kind of pad my numbers. But yeah, this one was like an hour. This one was only like an hour and fifteen minutes, and it felt like six hours. It just it's very slow, very poorly acted, poorly edited, poorly shot. I I hate to shit on somebody's art because obviously the people who made this any any movie that you watch that you think sucks. Somebody, you know, they bled, they sweat, they cried to get that movie made. You know, it's someone's baby. So I genuinely hate sitting here and shitting on someone's art. But ultimately, I can't really find too much positive to say about Forest to Death. It's got a really cool poster. That's about it. Um, but, yeah, like I said, hard pass on this one. That's like the I'm fifth gonna...
3: movie that I know that's called the that.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was actually confused because – When I I was flipping through Tubi, it's on Tubi if anybody cares, but I was flipping through Tubi (laughs) and I saw Forest of Death and I'm like, yeah, I think I've seen that. And then I saw 2023 is the date. I'm like, wait a minute. And then I clicked on it and, yeah, it's totally not the Forest of Death that I've seen. And, you know, it's rare that I regret sitting down to watch a horror movie. And unfortunately, this is one of those times. So, yeah, (laughs) avoid this one, folks.
3: Coming next.
1: Coming or next, Derek's Jeff? like, that's my last pick, too. No. No, <laughs> what do getting... you got, Derek?
3: <laughs> no, I'm talking about Brom Stoker's Dracula, because I just rewatched it yeah. again. Blu-ray? Uh, 4K. 4K, 4K yeah.
1: nice. The 4K With is fucking, fucking Gary
3: Oldman, fucking just licking razor blades and shit, and dr- when he's a werewolf, just raw-dogging fucking Lucy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the that's the scene that fucking because I saw that movie way too young as a kid and that's the scene that always stuck with me is that werewolf Dracula just fucking raping the shit out of this poor redhead girl and that's like that's what, that's my goal in life I love redheads <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah but uh yeah Gary Oldman's great in it fucking Anthony Hopkins. He's fucking horny as shit in this movie. Everyone's kind of horny in this movie. <laughs> you know? Every time I watch it, I'm like, "Damn, this is a horny movie." Even Monica Bellucci's biting Keanu Reeves's cock in one scene. <laughs> 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 you know, fucking uh, Tom Waits is probably the most, least horny because he just wants bugs.
2: God, what a great Renfield, fucking Tom Waits, man! That was awesome. master. Yeah. <laughs> the Just, most over the top run field ever. I fucking love
3: it. And fucking Richard E. Grant being Richard E. Grant.
2: Yep. He's great. <laughs> he's
3: great in everything. I love. I, I loved him as fucking classic Loki and Loki. Yeah. Oh,
2: he was great. I love <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah. a
3: great cat, Billy Connolly and Carrie Always too. Yeah. Even like like even like the climax in movies like fucking epic because you it's like this giant like. Wusoo fucking Kung Fu battle <laughs> ch- chasing Dracula's coffin and shit. Yep. Yeah, it's a great uh, movie.
2: Yeah, we'll forgive Keanu's terrible British accent. We'll, Winota's we'll, we'll no better. Oh, Jonathan. I love you, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, right, Mina. Oh, Mina? Yeah.
3: Mina. Mina's, uh, yeah. And the weird thing is Anthony Hawkins' eyebrows in the fucking flashback scene in the beginning where he's playing the priest.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: His eyebrows are classic in that scene.
2: <laughs> yeah, I picked up this 4K, too. This this thing is gorgeous. Yeah,
1: like the, set, the set design on... Oh, I have that one on 4K. Um, but the set design in that movie is so good. Like I, I watched it for the, the first time in a long time when I got the 4K, and I just had forgotten, like, what a great job. Like, just, just looking at... Um, all the set pieces and everything—it's just amazing. Like so much effort was put into m- giving the look of that movie, and I thought they nailed it. Yep. Yeah, for sure.
2: I remember watching that in the theater the very first time. I, I don't know if it was opening weekend, but it was right around when it opened. And after that cold open. The whole theater just went fucking nuts. I, I Yeah, just applauding, hooting, screaming, just from the cold open. So yeah, Vlad the Impaler. That be was a fucking fun time. awesome. Yeah, god damn, that cold open was great. And the fact that they actually brought in some legit Vlad the Impaler, you know, mythology into it was pretty cool. Yeah, so it was
3: just, fucking armor. I want that Funko Pop. <laughs> I,
2: I got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, all right, so for my last one, uh, this is actually a movie I almost recommended on like a, a VOD week for Fresh Cuts no until point. I realized it's, it wasn't even a 2023 movie. I just assumed it was because it, it randomly popped up on Shutter, like in the,
3: uh, is it the Blues Blues like... movie? <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> no, uh, the, yeah, the, the title of this one's a little busy, which is, I think, why it took me so long to actually watch it. But it's called uh, Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break. Have you guys ever seen this? No. Nope. So this movie, it's it's kind of not a straight horror. It's like revenge fantasy mixed with, like, dark humor. So without spoiling anything, since you guys haven't seen it, I'll just kind of set it up. Uh, Basically, there's this like middle-aged dude. He cares for his elderly mom. You know, just kind of like your average guy. It's it's a British film, so you definitely get the British humor. Um, And there's some national like talent show with like you know whatever dumbass pop star is is holding it. Um, And he wants to go audition to this because you know, hey, it could be my big break, basically. And then on his way to the audition. There, he runs into, like, some people in situations that cause him to be late. So he misses the audition. So he's pissed, and it's time for revenge. So it's basically called uh, Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break because on, I think, this next day at work, on his lunch break, he he, he plots revenge on all these people that caused him to miss his audition. So uh, that's kind of like the setup. And I just thought it was really well done, really well written. The comedy to me hits. Um, the revenge stuff is really good. And it's actually one of my favorite movies that I've watched this year. It just sucks I won't be able to put it on my list because I, I believe it's a 2021 movie. Um, so, yeah, it won't be eligible to be on my best of list. But if it was from this year, it definitely would be on there. And it's very unassuming because the, the t- I feel like a lot of people are going to skip it just based on the title. And uh, I noticed when it first dropped on Shutter, like, it had five stars, which is their max. And I, sometimes I'm skeptical of that because when movies first drop – I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a lot of times movies will drop on Shutter and whatever that star rating is, within, like, a few days it goes down because, like, more people watch it and, like, they're not going to give it as high of a review. But this one, I think it the lowest it ever dropped is four out of five. So it, it held steady. And then I looked it up on IMDb, I read other reviews, and I was like, okay, it seems like there's a consensus that this one's pretty good. So it was just late at night one night, and it's not a very, I think it's about an 80-ish minute movie, 85 maybe. Uh, I was just like, all right, well, let me, you know, I have no obligation to keep watching it if it's not good, but let's just see, watch out of curiosity. And it ended up being really good. So I, I highly recommend Paul Hoot's Deadly Lunch Break, uh, and it currently is on Shudder. I wouldn't be surprised if it's other places too, just because it's it's not like a hardcore horror movie, so it might be on other services. But I know for sure it is on Shutter Now, um, so definitely check that one out.
3: So it's like Ghoulies too. Gotcha.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm, maybe we can make a connection. I don't know. <laughs> ghoulies too. I'm just. Kidding. I, do, I do love me some Ghoulies too. <laughs> Call back from an old episode. I think Ghoulies 2 is like the new Robert England that now Ghoulies 2 gets the uh, mention every episode. <laughs> Robert
3: England is remaking Ghoulies 2, just came in, breaking news.
1: Hey, I might actually go for that if that, if that was true. <laughs> I mean, it's better than hearing the news of Blumhouse or whoever trying to possibly tackle Nightmare on Elm Street, you know. But, uh,. Yeah, so that rounds out the What We've Been Watching segment. Um, on to news, if we have any. Do we have any?
2: Uh, a couple of minor things. Not even really news, just a couple, uh, a couple of movies that are finally getting 4K releases that are way, way overdue. Um, if anybody knows me, you know what the first one I want to talk about is. September 19th of this year, we finally get The Exorcist on 4K. With
3: the worst and if cover anyone- ever.
2: Oh, God, I can't wait. And if anyone is interested, Best Buy has the Steelbook 4K as an exclusive for Best Buy. So if you don't want to pay those second market prices, uh, reserve it now. They are taking pre-orders, and, of course, I already pre-ordered it. <laughs> We're also and getting the other Rosemary's
1: one, Baby, too, on 4K, I think. Is that the first U.S. release for that one on 4K?
3: On 4K, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And a few Blu-ray releases, but yeah, just yeah. first 4K release, yeah. yeah.
1: Two, two, two classics in the same uh, fall. Oh, we're not fall. done.
2: Oh, we're oh, not done. Uh, let's see, uh, October third of this year, The Mist finally gets a 4K, and again, Best Buy will have an exclusive steelbook available. This one's actually pretty cheap. You can pre-order it for under thirty bucks for a 4K they, steelbook. Uh, that's amazing.
1: Are they mixing both versions up in the 4K, like the black and white version too? They might. I mean, you can just turn
2: the color. I, I, just I turn mean, you the color you can. Yeah, TV, you yeah. can do that. I mean, if they if they have the legitimate black and white version, I'll watch it. But you know, if they don't, I I can happily just turn the color off on the TV. It probably doesn't look quite as good, but you know, it, it gets the job done. And then the last one I was going to talk about, not a horror movie, but something that horror fans kind of tend to gravitate towards. This was actually one of my favorite movies of that year. So this one's coming out on September 26th of this year, and that is Natural Born Killers. We are once again getting a 4K steelbook. Um, Like I said, September 26th, another, like I said, this movie, I adored this movie. I think I saw it four times in the theater within the first month. In fact, funny story, I broke my leg on the way to go see this movie a fifth time. Um, (laughs) Stupid, stupid kid. You know, I was young. Obviously, this was, what, 94 for uh, Natural Born Killers. I was in college. There was a movie theater that was like around the corner from my apartment building, but if you walked around the corner, it was like a fifteen twenty or yeah, like a fifteen or twenty minute walk. But if you cut through the woods in between my apartment building and the theater, uh, you could save you could get there in like three minutes. The only problem is it's kind of a steep hill. Well, yeah, my dumbass <laughs> decided to take the shortcut that day because I was late, and I fell down the hill and broke my right leg, um, lower leg, uh, the, the lower bone, I forget, the, right above the ankle. So, yeah, <laughs> that tells you how much I love Natural Born Killers, man. I'm willing to hurt myself to go see it. So, yeah, another 4K that I'm very excited about. And that's all, that's all the movie releases I really have. Um, the only piece of news that I thought might be discussion-worthy is uh, we are getting a reboot of Street Trash. Fucking classic, classic trash cinema from the eighties and it's being done by the director of Fried Berry, which was a, an interesting movie to say the least, if you guys saw it.
3: Yeah, it's the perfect mm-hmm. combination.
2: It kinda is. I'm actually rather excited. Like yeah. the only way I would have been more excited is if the director of the Greasy Strangler was doing it. <laughs> but I'll I'll, I'll, well, I'll take...
3: Crazy Murder.
2: Yes, exactly. But I'll take the director of Fried Berry, absolutely. And it's coming from fin- uh, Vinegar Syndrome, so you know we'll get a nice uh, physical media release, so that'll be good. And that's pretty much all I got. I mean, it's been a pretty slow couple of weeks for horror news. Do you get you guys- a Toxic Avenger?
3: Yeah, yeah, the uh, Toxic Avenger with fucking Peter Dinklage.
1: I, is he, I is he playing the lead?
2: Uh, yeah, he's Marvin. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Interesting. I mean,
2: he's not Toxie. He, I think he's just Marvin. Kind of like in the original movie, it was two different actors. Obviously, it had to be. Yeah, I yeah. I think he's just playing Marvin, like the, uh, you know, pre-transformation. Um, I'm just saying I think, too. I'm not 100% sure. I actually could have seen it um, at the end of last year. There was a screener. It was one of those screeners where the effects aren't done yet. And oh, um, yeah. and I just decided I, I don't really want to spoil it. Because, I mean, Toxic Avengers is easily my favorite trauma movie. Uh, I love Troma in general, but that, you know, that being their, you know, they're kind of their big classic, that and like Sergeant Kabuki man and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I absolutely adore Toxy. I even watched that stupid Saturday morning cartoon that lasted, what, like six episodes before I got cancer? <laughs> yeah, I remember that.
3: <laughs> yeah. I had the acting figures for that
1: show. The oh, I think I had was,
2: one. Yeah. Uh,
1: the theme song was like, they're gross, but they still get girls. I'm like, what? <laughs> The
2: hell is this? <laughs> uh, sounds well, like a rich billionaire. They're gross and they still get girls. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Plus we get in, like a shitload of fucking other ones in like fucking October too from Stream Factory. Like they announced like the Blob on 4K, the remake, Ooh, nice. Pumpkinhead. Yeah. A, and one of my I favorites. already
2: got a Pumpkinhead steelbook, damn
3: it. <laughs> yeah, they got you're gonna get another one for the 4K now, buddy. <laughs> And of course, Night of the Demons—they're releasing uh, the original on 4K, and then they're releasing the sequels on Blu-ray. Which, uh, oh.
2: yeah,
3: I don't really need Night of the Demons three in 4K, anyways.
2: Oh God, no! <laughs> Didn't we? Was that the one we did for our Halloween commentary, or was that? part No, that two? was
3: part two. Oh,
2: okay. that, that one's yeah. fun. That one's mildly fun. Yeah um a couple of rest in pieces uh rest in peace to Michael parkinson uh if you don't know who he is uh, then you haven't watched ghost watch because ghost watch is one of my favorite things to watch on Halloween and he was the he was the um like the TV anchor guy the the host yeah. of the show so yeah and then of course Paul Rubens our our friend peewee i I mean yes he was in Buffy the vampire slayer but God damn it! If Pee Wee's Playhouse, or excuse me, if um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure isn't one of my favorite movies ever, um, it, it, yeah, Paul Rubens loss definitely hit me hard. Um, it hit me almost as hard as Gilbert Godfrey last year because I am, a, for those who don't know, I'm a gigantic Gilbert Godfrey fan. I, I I'm the kind of guy that would drive four hours to go see him play do stand up at like some shit bar, you know? I, yeah. I was that much of a fan, but yeah, Paul Rubens was a rough one too. So. Rest in peace to all the folks that we lost.
3: And William Friedkin, yeah. too, man. Yeah.
2: Oh, and Friedkin, the director of my favorite goddamn movie. How could I forget that? Yes. Oh, my God. I actually watched – what did I watch? I watched um, the one with the tree. Guardian. Yeah, uh, Guardian. I watched that the day that he died, yeah. So I, I paid my respects. The Exorcist, Sorcer- I'm going to I'm wait for the 4K.
3: I watched Sorcerer. Okay. I hope that comes the 4K. Right?
1: Guardian's fucking wild.
2: (laughs) It's so fucking... Tree Demons! Tree Demons are great.
3: Oh, it's fucking nuts, right? (laughs) I loved it. Oh, good shit.
2: (laughs) You got anything, Mike? The Paul
1: Rubens thing is... is horrible to hear. Um, Especially... It's it's always, like, a tough thing, because, like... um, when when these actors or actresses are, like, battling cancer and they want to keep it private, you totally understand. Um, it's just when they do eventually pass away and the news hits, you, assume, you know, you never know. And then it's like, oh, they've been battling it for months. And it's just something.
2: Yeah, it's train. like that Black yeah. Panther dude. Like, what the fuck? Oh, man, when Chadwick Boseman died, I, I I that was a shock and a half. I mean, somebody who was that healthy, that virile, I mean... Him, him and Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark are probably two of the best castings in the MCU. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, and Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa. I I mean, they could not have gotten a better uh, person for that role. And, yeah, when he passed, that was a complete shock. Ugh.
1: Yeah, um... Yeah, it sucks.
2: <laughs> all right, we're all we're all depressed now. Let's talk let's talk about happier fare.
1: Uh so we mentioned Talk to Me earlier. Uh it has officially become the second highest grossing A24 movie or A24 horror movie. And I'm just going to ask you guys if you can guess what the number one is.
2: Horror? horror?
1: Yeah. Hereditary.
2: Yeah, because I know it's everywhere, everything, all at once. Just, just in general, they're their right. the highest grossing movie. Um, but so that's before, your
1: guess. You, that's your guess, Derek. What about you,
2: Venom? What did Derek guess? I missed
3: it. Hereditary.
2: Hereditary. Uh, I'm probably you know. Oh, ugh. I might actually go. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, just because it's a, a more youth oriented movie, and I know a lot of people went to see it. Um, I guess I'll just guess that. Fine.
1: Well. One of you is right, so does one of you want to change your answer? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, Derek is correct. It is Hereditary. Oh, good. Um,
0: <laughs> thank God.
1: Yeah, it, I forgot to write down all the actual numbers, but uh, worldwide, um, uh, Talk To Me would have a ways to go to get up to Hereditary, but um, I, the re- the reason I initially wrote down the story is because between weeks two and three of Talk to Me, it, it made nearly as much in the third week as the second week, which is always a good sign for word of mouth, um, especially for, like, smaller independent movies to to uh, to have a follow-up week, like, as strong as the previous, especially after the uh, second week going into the third. I think it, like, made just a million less, maybe less than a million less. Um, so that's cool. I mean, anytime you can get a little bit of staying power based on word of mouth, that, that's a good thing because it's, it's one thing to just like write something positive on the internet or even us doing a podcast on it, but for people to actually get out to the theater uh, because of word of mouth, that's a whole different thing. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, good, good, good sign. And that's good for horror with a 24 because you know, it, it never hurts to, for them to do more horror movies. Um, and then the only other thing I was going to bring up is, <laughs> This is kind of like I don't want to be the, the the continuing basher of Shutter, but like bloody disgusting. They put out a list um, of 20, twenty 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 three horror releases you can stream right now, and of Let's that list, 20, rank was number one. No, on that list, only three of them are available on Shutter. So if that tells you kind of where they are with putting out new releases and stuff, or the quality of what they do grab. That kind of sums it up. I'm not going to go through the whole list. I just I remember reading the list earlier and I was like, man, none of like most of these don't aren't on Shutter, are they? And then I actually looked. I was like, wow, only three of them. And like I think two of the three that are on Shutter are like elsewhere as well. Probably AMC, which makes sense because it's the same company. But still, I'm just like, damn. Um, But yeah, that's really all I got. Three. Uh. Is it Larusa? Unwelcome. Unwelcome is one of them, but I don't. I want to say Unwelcome was er, was available like earlier this year, on yeah. Prime or something. Because when I when I suggested it for Fresh Cuts, you and Don told me you had seen it way back in February or something.
2: I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I saw it in a theater out here. Okay. That's the movie. Goblin movie, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh The other one is Kids versus Aliens.
2: Woo! <laughs>
1: And the other one is Husera the Bone Woman.
2: Oh, great movie.
1: Yeah, so. Oh, man.
2: Kids vs. Aliens, I, I saw it late. I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. I didn't see it when it first came out. I heard Mike talk about it. I heard other people talk about it, so I gave it a chance.
3: I knew it was going to be for you, Ben.
2: <laughs> oh, fat fucking movie. That. It, the biggest problem with that movie is that they set up this one douchebag to be just one of cinema's worst human beings, and then I don't even get to watch him die. It's like, you don't even give me the fucking satisfaction of watching the asshole in the movie die, but then when one of the little kids gets stabbed, you make me watch that entire fucking scene. Yeah, no, fuck Kids versus Aliens. I, I, that, that movie bothered the fuck out of me. Yeah, uh, Benham,
1: you'll, you'll be happy to that or Enya's men... He's also on this list.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, well, yeah, good, good for them. Is yeah, it, wait, is screen, screen, en- Bo-
1: Box has a good uh, uh, presence on here. Uh, what was that, Derek?
3: Is is the way you said it? it sounds like it was Enya's Enya's men. Like right, Enya's men. How
2: En-Yaz. do you say Enya? I have no idea. I, E-N-Y-S. Yes. I, I thought you said
3: I thought you said Weenus at first.
2: Yeah, you know. It's I think it's a Welsh word, but I have no idea how to pronounce it. E E N Y S. I'm just gonna yeah.
3: call it weenus I'm gonna think it's about elbows.
2: I was calling it anus men for a while, but I kinda of stopped.
1: Hmm. Project Wolf Hunting's one of them. That's on screenbox. Oh I love that. Ah, oh that's
2: that's still in my top five. Hell oh yeah. yeah, hell yeah.
1: And then a lot, most, a lot, there's a good amount of, like, just big theater releases that are just finally on VOD, so it's, you know, it's kind of one of those lists where, like, it's split up, half of them are movies that were probably only ever on VOD, at least in, like, U.S. outside of big cities, but then the other half are, like, you know, like an Evil Dead Rise, a Cocaine Bear,
2: that
1: kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, Uh, Cocaine Bear got a 4K
2: announced, oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, but yeah, it. that's... Oh, go mm-hmm. ahead, Venom.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I want to see Ray Liotta's intestines in 4K. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. <laughs> oh And <laughs> the guy
3: from the
1: that says You saw The Outwaters, right, Venom? Unfortunately. Is that the one you were telling me? It's like the last 20 minutes is like really good, but it just takes a yep. lot of service to get there. I didn't want
3: to watch it because it was two hours long, and that's way too long for a found yeah. footage movie.
2: Two hours and a good hour of it is just one of the characters uh, just wandering the desert looking for his friends. And I'm not exaggerating. There's a good chunk of the movie, close to half of it, where it's just one character with a camera walking around the desert looking for his friends. But then, yeah, Mm -hmm. the last 15 minutes is fucking crazy over the top, like gory, bloody. And then the ending, you know, does kind of. I think they were going for Lovecraftian vibes, even though I, I, I'm such a big Lovecraftian fan that I, I hate it when movies just throw some tentacles in and then call themselves Lovecraftian. It's like, no, just because there's tentacles doesn't make you Lovecraftian. But, um, yeah, th- that movie was getting so much praise uh, coming out of festivals. And then I watched it, and I was so fucking angry when it was over. I was just so mad. Ugh. <laughs>
3: Kids versus Aliens.
2: Ah, at least that movie was short. It didn't make me sit through 2 hours. That thing was like under 90 minutes. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, if that's all we got, then it might be time to take a break and then
2: yeah.
3: What are we talking, talking about, about
1: this? Our, our double feature for this episode is Torso and the Great Alligator. I uh, use lotion for both of them. these are two movies by sergio martino and i probably had a reason to pick sergio martino movies at the time and now i can't remember but i can at least i can at least know hey this is how they're related they're both sergio martino movies so uh go with that i guess
2: (laughs) it is kind of funny that you brought up shark exploitation because i mean martino has done a couple of jaws ripoffs right i mean we're going to talk about one today
1: yeah, technically. Yeah, this I mean, is like even, a combination of Jaws and Campbell Holocaust sharp, uh, ripoffs. Yeah,
2: yeah and uh,
1: speaking of, that's a good that's a good point that you even brought up in the shark exploitation doc that like, eventually, Jaws ripoffs went beyond just sharks themselves. So uh, yeah, this and you're right. This is probably <laughs> can be considered one of them. Oh. So uh, we'll be right back with our two Sergio Martino movies, Torso and The Great Alligator.
0: Yay. We did it. What you have
2: here are fragments of tissue found under the fingernails of one of your companions, barbarously murdered in the middle of the night
1: one week ago. Our scientific analysis has traced them to this foulard which was used to strangle Carol Peterson. If you have ever seen a scarf like this on any person you can identify, it is your duty to report it either to the police or the university authorities. I might add that no one in Perugia, either man or woman, is safe until this killer is captured and brought to justice. (laughs)
2: Not even the biggest one in the river. On that point, maybe the Kumas.
0: No more than we the
2: Kuma tribe. Tourism can only improve their standard of living. Good, peaceful folk.
0: He's sending us away. He says the great god of the river has been aroused and is punishing the Kuma for having contact with us. There's no danger inside the nets, is there? No, no, absolutely not. Ah! Have seen the great God? Many have seen. White man as well. You talk to him, then go. I will take you. He's called Father Jonathan. Was it a crocodile? He's not an animal. He's a demon. river there is something enormous and you have to warn the tourists about the danger. If there were something enormous out there, you're still perfectly safe on dry land. Oh, he's a demon
3: He's a demon oh! He's a demon Yum yum It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. ¶¶ to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go.
0: And now, on with the show.
1: All right, we're back, and it's time to talk a couple of Sergio Martino movies. So we are going to start with the movie that came out first all the way back in 1973, and that would
3: be Torso. Quick question before... Quick question before we start. I
1: think we should – have any of us seen a
3: Sergio Martino movie before this?
2: You and I have been on a podcast where we talked about Sergio Martino movies.
3: Yeah. I'm just saying, (laughs) like, you know what I mean. Like, what's our history with them and shit? I think that's – since they're both from the same director, you know what I mean? I think it would be a good idea. That's valid.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure – because, man, there's a lot of – let's see. I'm going to pull up the list here. I – I'm pretty sure I have, because um, he has a lot. Uh, as a director, uh, what, 68 damn movies?
3: Yeah, uh, I'm actually one of those few that have, like, the controversial opinion that a lot of his Ar- giallos are better than Argentos. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, not not that I hate Argento or anything, you know what I mean? I just kind of – because his – kind of more interesting to me because even like a movie that we're not going to talk about, all the colors of the dark, Mm -hmm. uh, it it turns into some weird like cult movie and shit. So Mm -hmm. like that Santana cult vibe to it. And you know, there's like, like he always makes like, even like the one we're talking about now, Torso, like uh, since it's like a early, like 1973, this is kind of like the first mixture of like, Giallo slash proto slasher in a sense.
1: Yeah, I was. So I have seen all the colors of the dark, and I think it's on Tubi right now. Um, because Tubi, they just randomly added like or added a bunch of giallos, and uh, like I think I've been. I've been trying to watch some of them during work, but it's it, if they only have a subtitled version, it's hard while I'm working because I can't just keep looking at the TV necessary like for the entire movie for obvious reasons. But um I was actually going to bring up that question because this is sitting in 1973, so we're kind of still in those early stages of like developing what exactly a slasher movie, what exactly a giallo is, kind of like the hybrids, kind of the prototypes. Uh, and this definitely fits somewhere in that category because it's you could kind of make a case for it being either uh, any of them in, individually or kind of like a hybrid because in, in the beginning of all these genres forming, there was like a lot of kind of like gray area as far as how you categorize it, and especially in this in this time, but. Um, So I was going to ask, like, do you consider this a giallo or a slasher or a mix of both? Or what would you say, Derek?
3: Yeah, it definitely lingers on, like, the more of the giallo elements, especially early on. But then it mixes where we actually see, like, a mass killer. We actually, you know, there's other examples of this, but they usually have, like, the black hat. And this one's actually very interesting looking with its look because it's different than a usual giallo killer which I kind of liked, you know, when that aspect of it going into it the first time I seen this movie years ago. Uh, actually, I owned this movie on a few copies. I actually had the old Blue Underground Blu-ray of this, which actually had both versions of the movie, which actually, I was actually looking for that version because I wasn't, you know – Tubi's fine, but, you know, I I didn't know which version was actually on Tubi, which I'm going to ask that question later when we get more into the review. Uh, So I ended up ordering the Arrow Blu-ray because I just couldn't find my older copy of this movie. But uh, I was happy to do it because I have, like, all the other Sergio Martino Arrow Blu-rays anyway. So I was like, Mm -hmm. sold. Yeah, you you got me there.
1: Yeah. uh, and the fact that you bring up that there's different versions, that's something I didn't because re- I know a lot of times there'll be a different version where they cut stuff out. But what I actually figured out on accident because I went to rewatch it, I I first watched it on Tubi, and um our buddy Bill Castanelli has a copy on his Plex, and when I started the one he has on Plex, it was a totally different score playing during the opening. Chris, I was like, what, and it it kind of struck me because I was like, wait a minute. Uh, and then I, w- I went back to the Tubi version to make sure I wasn't mishearing what I thought was opening score. And, yeah, they're totally different. So uh, I'm assuming there's other differences, not just the score, but I didn't get a chance to, like, finish the whole thing on uh, Bill's Plex. But, yeah, quick, there's Quick question. On the Tubi
3: things. version, did it switch in Italian and, and during any scenes?
1: Um, I think so, yes.
3: Okay, so that's the uncut version. Okay. Okay. So, so at least you watched the right version that I watched.
1: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. All right. Well, oh, Venom, did you have any thoughts on kind of like, like being an early slasher slash giallo prototype and like where you would lean more with this one, or is it just kind of like elements of both and you can't really categorize between the two?
2: Uh, to me, Torso is solidly a giallo <laughs> And the reason I say this is because of one scene that 90 to 95% of giallos have. And that's, I don't know what it is, but it's something, uh, uh, Italian actors tend to get frozen in fear when somebody approaches them with a knife. And in like 90% of giallos, there'll be a scene where somebody from across the fucking room pulls out a knife, and then the victim is like, no, it's you. And then the killer slowly walks up to them and all the victim does is just kind of sit there and shudder and not do anything. Then finally the killer walks up to him and just stabs him, And that's the end. So when I see that scene, I know I'm watching a Giallo. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't understand that concept. I'm sorry. Obviously, you know, all three of us, you know, we're seasoned horror watchers. Um, I don't think any of us would see somebody from across the room with a knife slowly approaching us and just sit there in fear. Nah, fuck that. I'm going to drop kick. I'm going to do whatever the hell I can do. And I don't know if that's an American thing. gonna be the guy or... at the
3: end of the movie.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's the <laughs> second greatest drop kick ever. But, I, yeah, I just when I see that, I'm like, yeah, I'm watching a giallo. I mean, I, it was in The Killers on the Phone. It's in Night of a Thousand Cats. It's in... Uh, I, 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 movie titles are kind of slipping my mind right now. I, I think it was also in your, your vice is a locked room. Also, but yeah, like 90, 30. yeah, like 90% of fucking giallos have that scene. And once I see it, I'm watching a giallo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the and it's is a stupid. That's... I mean, it, it's a dumb, you know, um, criteria, but. I, I, I just don't see I, – I think one of the only examples I could think of is, like, Friday the 13th, um, the the the, cu- uh, the cold open of the original Friday the 13th, when Mrs. Voorhees pulls out the knife, and the two campers are just there like, oh, no, no, we weren't doing anything. It's like that's the closest thing to a Giobo yeah, it's, it's,
3: it's like the, they actually make a joke of it inside the movie Demons 2, where the, it's the film within oh. the film. The girl's being chased by the killer, and she's, like, stopping every five seconds. Oh! There
0: you go.
2: Yeah. Yeah, But I'm I'm probably not the right person to ask that question to, Mike, because I've said it for years. My giallo education is very lacking. I mean, I've seen the big ones, obviously, Um, you know, the Argentos and, you know, shit like that. But admittedly... Like, for for those couple of years that I was appearing on 22 Shots during Italian Month, like, those are, that's, like, the most giallos I've ever watched. And I'm still catching up, you know. I'm still watching more all the time. I just bought, uh, what did I buy? I bought Bird with the Crystal Plumage the other day because I found the Blu-ray for, like, five bucks. Uh, and I've never seen it. So I figured, let me grab it and add to my education. So, yeah. But I'm yeah. lucky.
3: like a <laughs> yeah. new Marconi score, man.
1: Yes, I I actually agree. I, well, obviously I agree because I'm in the same boat as Venom when it comes to Giallo. Like I,
3: the
1: the bigger ones that like a lot of people talk about, I've probably seen. But beyond that, it's like like I, I mentioned a few minutes ago how like Tubi has a bunch now. Like I'll start scrolling through them, and the thing about them is like it's almost similar to the way the slashers when you read the synopsis. Like, oh, a group of friends go here, but, hey, a killer starts taking them out one by one. Without any kind of, like, reference point from, like, Giallo connoisseurs, I guess, it's hard to, like, decipher, like, which one is actually going to be good. So, like, I I usually have to, like, you know, I'll look it up on IMDB. I'll look at reviews because, like, there's just so many with similar premises and synopsis that I'm like, okay, which one should I watch? So, um uh, so it'll, it'll basically be on to like what research I do beforehand. Cause there's just too many just to try to marathon out. You know, I'm going to end up watching probably like five. Okay. ones to get to like a good one. Um, and of course that, yeah, that's not counting like the big ones by like Argento that I've either already seen or I just know, and I have them on the list to watch, uh, but uh, this torso also features a pretty good dummy death. <laughs> the, oh. the kid goes flying off the mountain. Oh, <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, it, it's fucking great. Uh, fucking, uh, you, you know what I like about this movie too. Like every time I rewatch it, I love like Sergio Martino's like kind of like incorporation where all these men are thirsting over these girls for the whole movie. He makes like every man like the red herring of this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: so
0: man,
1: that, that that's that's a good point. Like pretty much, uh, and and I know like gel, like a lot of Jellas do that to a certain point where like there's red herrings, but I felt like he literally made just about every male a possible suspect in this one. Like even even ones that were just kind of like in the town to walking with women. Yeah, yeah. like everybody seemed like they wanted to do some killing. Or every male in this wanted to do some killing. They wanted some of that
3: ass of that one girl. Oh, the one geez. that was at that party the, getting her titties run by those two guys.
1: Yeah. And that was a
2: weird scene.
1: That was a weird-ass <laughs> hippie party in the, like, I don't even know where they were. Like, just some, uh, I don't know, some run like building some, or something. Yeah, they were like sand Abandoned
2: some, building? Near a swamp? Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that was a pretty interesting scene. But I mean, overall, you know, the story is kind of like your basic, I guess, Giallo setup. Um, someone's picking off women one by one. They're get away, um, and the killer follows them, and the killer the killing continues, and then we get a reveal and a backstory as to why this person hates women and wants them all to suffer. And, of course, like, your the motivation calls. is kind of a stretch because it's like, why would that make you hate, like, exactly. all, you know. But a lot of giallos are kind of like, well, I won't say, uh, well, yes, a lot, but, like, a lot of kind of like the more mids do, do this a lot where it's just like, wait a minute, that's your motivation? And you kind of almost laugh at it at this point, but, hey, this was an no. early one, so... It could set the table for Giallos to come with the, with this explanation. Yeah. But overall, I, I found it an enjoyable movie. Um, sometimes when you go back and watch, like, the Pioneer ones, it's like so many since then have done the same thing that you have to put it in perspective, like, well, this is actually one of the first ones doing this kind of thing, so you still give it the respect for that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing that I actually found interesting about the reveal of itself is like, he actually repressed that for the longest time, though, too, and then all of a sudden these two fucking hoes fucking blackmail him out of nowhere, and that makes it, it awakens, like, early, like, childhood trauma in him. So I mm-hmm. kind of, like get the aspect of where he's going with. with Like, he's kind of unhinged, and they actually picked uh, the actor John Richardson, who I know because he was in One Million Years B.C. as the fucking main caveman. He has, like, an intense look for that movie because pretty much that movie is no dialogue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, Caveman? Yeah. Yeah, No, not Caveman, the actual One Million Years B.C. where we're caught. Oh, that one. Yep, yep. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of a far stretch because I've seen it done in other giallos after this one, which, when you, because I watched this one before and I could see why people would be like, yeah, that's not original. But this is like back in the day when this shit was still brand new too, so it could have worked for the audience back in seventy-three when it first came out. I'm not oh, saying yeah. it's the perfect reveal, but I've seen way worse too in yeah. these movies.
2: There was there is one element of this movie that really, really bothered me. Like I flat out hated it. Um and it's the fact that we spend the majority of the movie with these women. And then we don't even see their death scenes. Like, yeah. literally, the camera just just switches to another scene, and they're dead. And it's like, are, are you fucking kidding me? I, like, I was pissed off. I was legitimately angry the first time I watched this movie. And I'm like, are you – you didn't let me watch the that scene, the scene that probably all of us were anticipating, and then we just get ripped off of it. And that irked the shit out of me. I, I, it really, really bothered me.
3: Yeah, and then it turns into, like, this weird, like, home invasion style where it's the one. It's kind of, weirdly enough, The Quiet Place fucking kind of ripped it off with the fucking Emily Blunt fucking nail and the thing where the girl has the broken leg.
2: (laughs) Oh, right, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Susie Kendall, of course, is a British actress, but they actually dubbed her American in this movie. So that's not really her voice. She even said, like, fuck this movie. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, yeah,
2: over, overall, I didn't hate the movie. There, there, overall, it's a pretty fun time. Um, obviously, lots of nudity, and nudity right from the start. I mean, literally, open opening scene, bam, porn. It's like, all right. Um, but there's still a couple of elements that bothered me. One character decision that just really, really bothered me, and this could be... You know, just something that's lost in translation or maybe, you know, in other countries, they're not as quick to call the police or something like that. But it really bothered me that our main uh, our star saw a girl who ended up um, being found dead the next day. She witnesses her leaving with two guys on a motorcycle and then two days later receives a threatening phone call from the killer and she doesn't call the cops. Like, she just decides, ah, it's no big deal, I'll deal with it. Like, that irks the shit out of me, especially, you know, this isn't a woman, like, with a husband and a family or some kind of support system around her. This is just a single girl, um, Jane, right? That was Jane's character. Yeah, Um, Susie Kendall, yeah. Exactly, and it's like, you witnessed all of this, you even said it out loud to another person, oh yeah, I saw her leaving with two guys on a motorcycle, and you know they're they're kind of nefarious looking and blah 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 and it's like and you don't want to tell the fucking cops like yeah that bothered me
0: yeah
2: <laughs> like i said i get mad easy
0: <laughs> yeah it's you know it's yeah it's I mean, like, it
2: really it's just those two scenes you know the the lack of getting to see the main characters actually die and then just Jane, some of the decisions that Jane was making throughout the movie. But, you know, it, it really doesn't hurt the movie all that much. It's not like I suddenly hated it or didn't enjoy it. it it's always a fun time when I watch it. I'm, I'm very happy to watch it anytime. It's just those two minor things I might have changed. Make Jane a little bit smarter and actually let me see the death of the girls that we've been following for the last fucking hour of the movie. That, ugh. <laughs> That goes back to the kids versus aliens argument we were having earlier where, you know, you set up this, this douchebag, this, this literal piece of human garbage, and then you don't even, let get, to, I don't even get the cathartic, you know, the, the, um, the satisfaction of seeing him die. Like, I, I am so fucking sick of horror directors doing that. If you're going to set up a character to be a giant piece of shit, let me see his fucking intestines get ripped out of his fucking body. Don't just give them an off-screen death or just a quick stab or something, because that's just not satisfying. You know, you, you want us to um, kind of enjoy these guilty pleasure kills, but then you don't give them to us. Fuck you.
3: Yeah. I didn't mind it. Because I kind of like the way that Jane wakes up, and, you know, it's the more from her point of view. Because she's the only character left that, you know, right. when something's going down now and when she discovers her friend's dead bodies.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's not the worst piece of filmmaking I've ever seen. Not at all. Yeah. It's just, I, I kind of question the decision. That's all.
3: Yeah. It, I can see it why it's questioned. You know, yeah. back in my day when I actually reviewed this movie on 22 Shots, I was kind of more like, yeah, fuck that. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> you know? But I was still young in my reviewing stages then, you know what I mean? You know, it was actually, like, maybe my fucking fourth podcast when I did that. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a, you know. But, uh, yeah, Giallos have, you know, these tropes that we have to, or even this one, you know. And fucking, you know it's weird? You you can tell, like, fucking, because the guy who plays the main, like, hero, the drop kicker guy, it was yeah. in the beginning of a hostile part, too. He was the detective interviewing fucking Jay Hernandez in the beginning of that. Oh, movie.
0: wow. <laughs>
3: yeah. Because uh, pretty much that was like, because uh, Eli Roth, one of his favorite directors, is Sergio Martino, and he actually put uh, Edwidge Fennec in that movie, too, and she's got a start in a lot of his movies, too. But, uh, yeah. Torso. I like it.
2: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely.
3: I love that his main weapon of choice is the ascot.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Also, how lucky is it for Jane that he decided to wear the loudest shoes ever made?
0: (laughs) That is uh, so
2: weird that this guy literally is a killer for a living, and he's got hard shoes on that make so much goddamn noise.
3: (laughs) Since we're here, should we tell him who the killer actually is in this movie? (laughs)
2: Oh, and then that was the other thing I wanted to talk about, is that there's so, I mean, you guys already kind of mentioned it, that there's so many red herrings in the movie. And then the killer is the guy that she's like friendly with the whole time. He's like the nicest exactly. guy. Like, he never comes off as a red herring. It's like, fuck you, that's deceptive. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. I love that. When I first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, no, no. Now I appreciate it, definitely. Yeah, but the first time I'm I'm like it, it's kind of like Mrs. Voorhees showing up at the end of Friday the Thirteenth. It's like all these red herrings, and then it's a new character that we never saw that's actually the killer. That like that's that's odd decision making. But no, he's in know. the whole movie. I'm, no, no, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I, I'm I know just what saying that he was like, he was the nice guy. Like he was never a true red herring. He yeah. never had like a dirty look towards anybody. It seemed like he just wanted to date that girl, you know, uh, Jane. Blah blah blah. I don't, he he was like the least red herring of every red herring, and then he's the killer. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's fucking awesome. I love that reveal the first time I saw it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty easy to watch. Like nothing too crazy.
3: Uh, if you want to see crazy, we should watch. Some, we should have did Umberto Lenzi's eyeball. That had <laughs> the fucking craziest ending I've ever seen in a Giallo. Nice.
2: I vaguely remember that one. I know I've seen it once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I forgot to mention, I I actually, there's one scene in the movie that I actually really, really liked, and I don't know why. Uh, The scene with the key, when she puts the, uh, the newspaper, and how the killer, like, instantly recognizes what she's trying to do, and he grabs the key and puts it on there for her. I thought that was fucking brilliant.
3: Yeah, it was fucking awesome.
2: That was, that was good. Hell
3: yeah. And this is the, <laughs> the funniest fucking scene ever that I die laughing. It's in Italian. It's in the, like the It's like cuz like actually if you watch like the US version, they cut actually a lot of the cop investigation shit out. So,
2: uh, that's probably what I saw. Um I rent I rented mine on uh, Amazon Prime and there was no Italian in my copy.
3: Yeah, and there's a scene where they're interviewing the guy who finds like the body of the the first dead girl. And he's like, yeah, you know, I I don't want to get arrested if I tell you this, but I was about to take a shit. Ah! It was the fucking funniest thing. I'm like, what? He goes into, like, this whole, like, dialogue scene where he's like, yeah, you know, when you're taking this walk up this hill, you got to take a crap sometimes, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yikes. (laughs) Good shit.
1: All right. Yeah. All right. So that's 1973's <laughs> Torso. And uh we'll move on to another Sergio Martino movie from a handful of years later that has really nothing in common with Torso <laughs> called The Great Alligator. Uh this it's is Bobber t-
3: Barker. <laughs> Mrs. Yeah. Negro Star.
1: This is it's weird. This one like it has some of your typical like creature attack movie stuff but also goes large portions of the movie without that, so uh <laughs> yeah, Taurus on a tropical like, island you know. it, yeah tourists on a tropical island anger an island god who turns himself into a giant alligator and stalks him. If that sounds wild, yeah I guess we can get into the movie. Richard so, yeah, Johnson as this... Moses. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh Derek White. I I'm assuming you've seen the great alligator before, yeah?
3: Yeah. I have. I I actually own both of these movies. Uh, this, this actually this movie has multiple fucking titles because No Shame, which is a company way before, released this as the Big Alligator River. Ooh. The
2: and then, Italian title is closer to that one because the. Yeah, uh, that's probably
3: the real name of the movie.
2: Well, the then, the Italian title is uh, the River of the Great Cayman. Yeah, Which is a little bit of a misnomer because a caiman isn't an alligator, it's a crocodile. And it's a small one, too. It's not even a very big one, so I don't know. But yeah. I, I am glad they changed it to The Great Alligator for the American release.
3: Yeah, and then okay. it was like even like it was known like Alligator in some circles on some releases and shit. And I'm glad Code Red actually put it out as The Great Alligator, which, uh, yeah. 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 That's a good title, and uh perfect. Yep. And this movie starts out with like this fucking bombastic, boom, 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 like oh shit, you're about to get into some shit. Where fucking Mel Ferrer with his fucking porn mustache, <gasps> and he's chilling with some black hotties.
1: <laughs> Man, yeah, this score is interesting because I th- I really like it, but it almost sounds like something you'd hear in like a Fulci zombie movie or like an Italian zombie movie as opposed to like an animal attack movie. But, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's the same city. dude
3: who did Nightmare City's
1: score. Oh, okay, yeah, it's oh, weird. I, I like good.
2: I like Nightmare City's score way more than I like this one.
1: Yeah, I
2: mean, I, not to say that I dislike this one, but at times this one just kind of came off as like Italian TV score. Which, you know, isn't a bad thing necessarily, but yeah. I don't know. Like, it felt silly at times, I guess is the best word I can I can use. Like, I mean, not bad, but just like, oh, this, this doesn't seem to fit. Like, there'll be a serious situation, and it sounds like a sitcom music playing, you know? I, I love that this, this
3: is just a giallo with an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to the show, Mr. George Eastman, who's the co-writer of this movie. Yeah. Dave Parker himself. <laughs> yeah, this movie's cheesy as fuck, but it's got fucking Bobby Rhodes in it. <laughs> it's from Demons. Shit, she's a friend of mine! God damn it! Yeah,
1: that was him, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah.
3: She's a friend of mine. <laughs> and Bill Castanelli's fucking Italian cousin, Claudio Casanelli, <laughs> Who sadly... uh who's only in the pretty much most of his career Sergio Martino movies because uh, he actually died in a tragic helicopter accident in uh, 1986 on the set of uh, fucking uh, Sergio Martino's Hands of Steel, which that sucked. I actually remember George Eastman talking about it because he was supposed to be on the actual helicopter with him when that happened. So that, that, yeah, it's kind of uber, but uh, I was, because he pops up in a few movies, like he's in Slave of the Cannibal God, which I think came out a few years before this one, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like his cannibal movie with Stacey Keach and Ursula Andres. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. He has a
3: vast, like, variety of fucking, like, like I even like some of his, like, post-apocalyptic movies, like fucking East, uh, Fall of New York and... Hands of Steel, I, I love it. It's a fucking crazy Terminator hand wrestling movie. <laughs> but uh yeah, the Great Alligator. It's it's fine for what it is.
0: You know, Do you
1: know is the a, is the alligator in this? Is it like a mix of practical effects and like an actual alligators? Is, is it just all uh, a prop submarine, alligator?
2: Submarine gator.
1: A submarine <laughs> yeah, toy...
2: Th- there was toy gators. This movie has more toys than I've seen in a movie in a long uh, time. I love the
1: manager
3: boats and shit, <laughs> and it's fucking awesome. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's weird because it kind of mixes like like a, a creature feature with like fucking... The, main, the alligator's not even like the main thread of the movie. It's in there. But then you got like these fucking cannibal people fucking shooting spears and shit at people and killing mad tourists at the end. This movie gets fucking crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, it does. And that's the thing, because, like, I think throughout, like, the first maybe just under an hour, it's not so heavy on, like, alligator attacks, but that last half hour, once it starts, it's just, like, non-stop. It almost kind of has a similar like, uh, review as what we gave Meg 2, Venom, where it's like, uh, where's the Meg? And then for the last half hour, it's like, holy shit, okay. where's the Meg. The Meg decided no, to show true. up.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Meg 2 definitely borrows a lot from this one. Because this, this is a thing that kind of bothers me about a lot of foreign movies is that they don't have cold opens. And sometimes a cold open, especially for a horror film, You got to give us something, you know, a a quick kill or a a quick shot of the gator or just something rather than just starting from literally the beginning and slowly moving. You know, I mean, we don't even get an alligator attack in this one until the half hour mark. And it's a 90 minute movie, Um, not necessarily a complaint so much as if this was an American movie. Uh, There probably would have been some kind of cold open. There would have been a quick kill, like maybe just some locals or something. And then it would have gone. Exactly. So when when we don't get a cold open, I definitely feel the length of that first act. You know, that whole first half hour of the movie where there's no alligator, it's just people and uh, people talking about this theme park that they're opening or, you know, spa, resort, whatever the fuck it was. Um and then finally, we get an alligator attack, and it's a very vague one. Like, like we we definitely know that two people have just been attacked, but you never see the alligator and the victims in the, on the screen at the same time. Um, so it, it kind of takes away a little bit there. Ultimately, I had a great time with this movie. This, and this was a first-time watch for me, by the way. I had never seen this one. Um, definitely kind of, you know had the same DNA as, like, Piranha and, and stuff like that, and, you know, I appreciated that. Um, and that last half hour or so, or, you know, the the, the rampage, basically, that, that rampage was a fairly epic rampage. I, I had a great time with that. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those people that loves watching, you know, beautiful people getting cu- cut up into pieces and swallowed whole by a giant alligator, whatever the case may be. Um, so overall, yeah, I had a really good time with this one, but I just wish they didn't make me wait a half hour, one, one third of the movie before anything really happens. Um, cause the characters here are okay. I didn't actually even recognize Barbara Bach right away. Like I knew she was in this movie, um, just by looking at the credits. But then when she shows up on screen, I'm like, is that her? cuz it didn't look like the woman that I recognized from like Caveman and you know some of the other 80s shit that she did. Spy love um, me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it just didn't it didn't quite look right. And then I'm more familiar with Catherine Bach anyway cuz I was a gigantic Dukes of Hazard fan. So I I was always partial to Catherine Bach anyway, but no, Barbara's I mean she's a beautiful girl. I just didn't recognize her right away. Kind of surprised.
3: Yeah. And then but, but, yeah. yeah, but you know, the cool thing about this is like there's so many, like, familiar other faces I see from other Italian movies, like the little girl Taurus is the little girl from House by the Cemetery.
0: Right.
3: Yeah. And, and uh, the great Richard Johnson, who we, yep. we actually talked about on the show a few times with Zombie and the Haunted, and he plays the Prophet Jameson. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, he's fucking awesome. That's probably my favorite scene of the movie, where he's like, oh! And his <laughs> voice and shit. It's fucking... And I love yeah. the guy with the fucking giant rifle on the boat. <laughs> the right. rifle's like he's, he's going to hunt an elephant with that fucking thing.
2: <laughs> and if you want to see an early role from M. Night Shyamalan, then you get him in here. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets impaled at the end. <laughs> I'm like, is that fucking M. Night Shyamalan? Obviously, it's not, folks. I'm kidding, but Jesus Christ, it was like a carbon copy of him in the movie. Yeah, uh, couldn't get over it.
3: <laughs> it's a fun movie.
2: And any time yeah. I can see an M. Night Shyamalan uh, lookalike getting paled, I'm happy.
3: <laughs> Italian M. Night Shyamalan.
2: Right? <laughs> oh,
1: man. So, Derek, on the director of Sergio Martino, like, what are some of your favorites from him? Uh, you got going to make me look at this list again. Jesus.
2: Oh, I know mine off the top of my head just because I haven't seen very many.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. what do you got?
2: Oh, oh, for me, it's uh, Your Vice is a Locked Door. Or, is that it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's your pretty vice. good. That, that one's pretty awesome. Uh,
2: uh, score, he, he did both the Scorpion Tail movies, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like those, too.
3: Yeah, Strange White Vice of Mrs. Wharf's pretty good, too. All the Colors of the Docks, pretty awesome. Uh, if you like Italian action, like testing movies, The Violent Professionals which is stars the, the the dropkick guy from Torso. Yep. <laughs> nice. Pretty awesome. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, I fucking love this. I, I watched this for Cinema Attack. We did kind of like a botch fucking Western show, because Matt hates Westerns. So. <laughs> uh, the, the Man with Called Blade, I fucking loved it. It's fucking awesome. He fucking... Like, there's so much fucking gore in that movie, Western. Like, he chops a guy's hand off in the first fucking... Island of the Fishman's pretty good. Actually, Comes in. T- you can actually watch in two versions. Actually, uh, Island of the... It's kind of like Lovecraftian. It has actually Bobber Box in that one, too. Written <laughs> uh, in Richard Johnson. Uh, depending on what cut you watch, we even get a cameo by Cameron Mitchell in the American oh. cut. Uh, which was called Screamers, which, uh, actually, it's kind of shorter, but they actually, uh, Jim Warnowski actually directed like the additional, like, gore scenes of the movie. Mm -hmm. Nice. Because, uh, Corman picked that up and kind of like redid it. to sell the movie in America type deal. Uh, what else did he do? Scorpion with two tails. That was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Hands of Steel. I love it.
1: Hands of Steel. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it.
3: Yeah, American Rickshaw, which I actually watched, was kind of an interesting watch. Uh, yeah, that's about it, what I've seen. Yeah, but I've seen, like, All Is Jolly. Like Is uh, uh,
1: is Slave of the Cannibal God any good, or have you not seen that one?
3: Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, I reviewed that on 22 Shots. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh Interesting.
1: Stacy Keach is in it.
3: Yeah, Stacy Keach, Claudio Castanelli from this movie, Ursula Andress. Those are the, like the main three stars of the movie. Uh, actually, has a pretty awesome dummy death. I won't say from who because I want to spoil oh, nice. this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, I, he, like even like his other Giallo stuff, I have fun with. So yeah, I love like I. That's what I kind of wish Argento did more, because I wish he kind of dabbled, like, into other genres more than Fulci. Like, Fulci – even Fulci did a Western,
2: yep.
3: you know? Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Spaghetti Westerns are great.
1: I love them. Yeah. yeah they're awesome, I think.
3: Yeah. That's actually a show i kind of wanted to – maybe the kind of like uh, that – show where we did like Shadow of the Vampire maybe do like non-horror movies from a horror director you know that would be an interesting discussion
2: it's a concept I like it yeah Yeah. (laughs) cool I was kind of surprised uh, we talked about the Meg 2 earlier and another similarity to to this movie with the Meg 2 is that in this movie the alligator doesn't even have the highest body count in this movie it's the fucking tribe. It's the yeah. natives, and, and that you know th- that kind of threw me for a loop because it's like I'm watching a movie called the the Great Alligator, but I'm watching uh uh you know a tribe of natives you know killing all these tourists. It's like what the fuck, and it's the same thing in the Meg Two. I won't get into specifics with the Meg Two since that's new and some people haven't seen it yet. But there's a whole stretch in the Meg, too, where they're not even concerned with the shark. There's, like, something else going on. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of one of my bigger gripes with the Meg, too. And it's a little bit of a gripe here. though. here it's a little bit more acceptable because I do like, uh, you know, um, tribes, you know, tribal horror like that. I, I definitely yeah. do dig that and as opposed to what we got in the Meg.
3: And plus they're yeah. worshiping this fucking alligator, too, so it kind of makes more sense. Why they're doing yeah, what yeah. they're
2: doing? I thought the yeah. scene the scene with the hermit was pretty funny. <laughs> the former priest.
1: Oh, he's the best part.
2: Uh, oh, that was fucking hysterical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, this definitely feels like the 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 alligator and all like the the lore around it. It kind of just it's almost like it decides to show up in a different movie about a tribe killing people, and then the alligator's like, "Hey, I, I want to get in on this." And add to it. Feed
3: me now, bitch. <laughs> Those white people look tasty. Let me get some. Let me get Barbara Bach. She's got a nice thighs.
2: <laughs> and then they fucking end the movie and they did a Jaws. I, I was so mad. They did a Jaws. Come on. Why would you do that to me? What? Only four years after Jaws. So obviously. The hype, you know, the Jaws hype is still fresh at this point. But yeah, goddamn, don't end your movie the same way. Uh, at any right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> even like in like Killer Crocodile, when the guy had like yep. the, the boat repeller and the and
2: the the, the 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 crocodile blew up. Still, I'm like, how does that work?
3: <laughs> you know,
2: uh, Jaws off movies, man, so awesome.
3: It, I'm weird because I actually prefer Killer Crocodile two over one.
2: Uh, I don't think I've seen the second one.
3: Yeah, it's actually more gory because it's actually directed by the, the guy Giannano De Rossi who made the crocodile in that movie.
2: Oh,
0: nice. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's kind of more fun because it's kind of like romance in the stone meets the giant killer crocodile. and There's actually a higher body count in I think.
0: <laughs>
3: the first one.
1: Cool. All right. Well, um, I think we uh, exhausted our conversation on The Great Alligator as well so yeah if, if any listeners are new to Sergio Martino maybe he's only seen one or nothing from him uh, look him up because there's a lot of stuff uh, surprisingly yeah you can find a lot of his stuff on Tubi right now if nowhere yeah. else or you know if you're a collector or you're just down to purchase stuff you can find some of these movies for sale
3: yeah I think he still has like a few of his movies on Shutter still like All the Colors I think is still on there Mm -hmm. yeah there's a few of his that's still on there too but yeah good stuff
1: hell yeah all right well that's probably gonna wrap up no more room in hell number 55 then so uh before we get out of here let's see what we got from everyone to listen to so venom i'll kick it to you
2: first uh, not much new from me. Um, uh, Derek and myself obviously are on Creature Comforts. Our latest episode is still episode seventeen, where we look at the tie release, the lake, the brand new tie release. Um, we have decided on our next movie. We just gotta figure out when we're gonna record that. Uh, Can I defini- it?
3: Please go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna do it in my 50s trailer voice. Twenty <laughs> million miles to Earth.
2: Yes, Ray Harryhausen. I think this is is this our second Harry Johnson? Yeah. 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 So uh so that's gonna be uh that, that'll be episode eighteen. Um we should get that out before the end of the month, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I, we still I got a couple we of should,
3: weeks. Uh, yeah, schedule a recording date for that still, so yeah, we should definitely do that after this episode.
2: There you go. Uh, and then, let's see, um, the Crystal Lake Gift Shop, episode three is still the latest episode of that one. Where are you know, obviously Mike and I are uh, waiting to get together again so we can start uh, getting back to that one, because that's one of the easiest uh, podcasts that we have to record. You know, we're we're, we're just looking at the, um, the Friday the 13th series from the 80s. We're doing one episode, you know, per podcast episode. So it's something that, you know, we could get together and do any time. But obviously it's summer, and... When it's summer in California, who the hell wants to be inside? So uh, Mike and I will get together and figure out when episode four will get recorded soon. Uh, I did have a guest spot on uh, the Joe Blow Horror Show uh, as part of their summer series. They are looking at the Resident Evil franchise, and I was lucky enough to be on the Apocalypse episode, which is the second of the Resident Evil movies. And I think Mike might have something to add to that later when he's going. But um, that's pretty much it for me, folks. Like I said, summer is not a podcast-heavy time for me. I like to get out of the house. Um, I'm not much of a beach goer, you know, despite living in L.A., but I, I, I'm not a homebody. I mm-hmm. like getting the hell out of here and doing stuff. So, yeah. But with the colder weather coming maybe next month or the month after, yeah, the podcast will start coming at a much greater pace. So. Bear with us.
1: Bear with us, man. <laughs> All right, Derek, you're next. Uh, I don't have much to
3: add either, besides creature comforts. I did do two guest spots on the podcast under the stairs recently, where I did the two uh, of the pieces in pieces that I think both of my episodes were released. Uh, I actually forget what fucking time stamps I actually had during that, but uh, you know, if you haven't heard that that episode series that's with Duncan actually takes five minutes. uh, Somebody else to talk about just five minutes of the movie pieces. And weirdly enough, I actually got, uh, both like Jack Taylor's opening introduction, you know, where he's like the girl's trying to tell him what the pecs are of her titties are. And his, uh, and his exit where, you know, uh, Linda Day George is like, I suspect you to be the killer. And then he leaves the movie forever. (laughs) (laughs) You know. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun time to look up those episodes. I actually forget. Like, you know, they'll be in the show notes if you look for them, which ones I'm on. But you should check them all out. Because it's fucking interesting. Because I'm curious. Like, I haven't listened to, like, all of them yet. Uh, like, what other moments people fucking talk about during that fucking show, but it was fun.
1: All heard. right. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, the, the latest episode of Fresh Cuts is out. Uh, what the hell was that one? What did we do?
2: Fresh it's- Cuts, it- um, uh, last voyage of the Demeter. Yes, yes. Okay. Dracula. Last
1: voyage of the Demeter.
2: We leave so episodes
1: out. And as Venom mentioned, the Joe Blow Horror Show summer series of the Resident Evil franchise. I had the honor and privilege ah. to cover Resident Evil Afterlife. But as I said, is that before, the word Kim Coates? Oh, man. It, at least Carly that, was on the show, too, so I could spread the pain, and I didn't four? have to handle that myself.
2: <laughs> that's, uh, that's
1: three. No, that's extensions three.
2: Oh, right, that is Extinction. Yeah, you're right. That's the Vegas one, yeah.
1: Oh, Fours yeah,
3: Fours afterlife, with fucking, when they borrow Pyramid Head from Silent Hill in that one scene.
2: Oh, the shower scene? Is that the shower scene? The shower fight?
3: No, it's the one with fucking Tyron, right, with the fucking, the guy turns into the Tyrant at the end of I forget that movie fucking sucked.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That pretty much summarizes my appearance. But it was it was a fun time. You know, everyone's cool on there. Um, so check that out if you're interested in hearing about that. They've, the entire series actually, and I think that might be actually it for me as well. Um, so yeah. Uh, as far as the next episode of No More Room in Hell, does it go back to Venom now for picks?
0: Ah. Yesterday. Oh, boy.
2: <laughs>
0: Do you already have uh, I'm something not in tell mind? You,
2: I'm not going to tell you what movie... Oh, I've got the movies picked out, but... Uh, oh, okay. We're, we're going to go to Japan for the next episode.
3: Oh, boy. I'll Ooh. leave it at that. Oh, well, boy. there's
1: all sorts of potential where I could go, because... Hentai. Yeah. Ah, tentacles! <laughs> Japan can Slime. get... Slime. Sweat. Japan can either be like a uh, nuts from minute 1 through the entire movie or they can like have a movie where it's like oh this is interesting and the last be, or 20 you just minutes take is life like, after what
3: did you watch dark water like
1: uh, yeah <laughs> all right well that's a i guess a little hint i mean just saying japan doesn't narrow it down very much but hey at least you kind of know where we're uh Uh, headed for the next episode. So that will be No More Room in Hell 56, uh, hopefully coming soon. And until then, I guess thanks, everybody, for listening, but we got to go back to frying in the lake of hell. So we're going to descend, and uh, let's say bye to our listeners.
3: Bye to the girl with the big titties. Arrivederci, Barbara Bach.
0: Watch Sergio Martino.